Fantastic, fantastic. Well, it's great to be, don't take your seats just yet, but it's great to be in all our campuses um, this morning and want to say two things before we take our seats. We're with our campus in Stocksbridge, we're also in Derby and Sheffield and obviously here in Chesterfield as well. But just want to say two things. First of all, if you are new to Icon Church today, this is your first time at Icon Church, we want to give you a huge welcome. So come on church, let's do that. And then uh, we want to tell you where we are with our vision offering this year. And uh, we are still expecting some more to come into our vision offering this year. We've got a one or two people um, who have uh, shared with us that they're, they're, they're going to give into that offering. But we want to let you know where we are, and we want to take this opportunity to say thank you to every person who has faithfully given. You know, this is a, a difficult season, isn't it, when it comes to finances? You know, we've had interest rate rises. You know, we've got cost of living crisis, all of things going on, but God's people... Yeah have been faithful because there's a heart within the people of God to see God do great things. And so we want to say thank you in Stocksbridge, in Sheffield, in Derby, and here in Chesterfield. So here we are, £57,276. Thank you so much. Thank you so Thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. If you've not had a chance to give yet, there is still an opportunity to do that. Why don't you take your seats and just say to the person next to you, God is good. <clears throat> Some of you remember that years ago we used to say, God is good. And the congregation would say all the time. And then I would say all the time. And the congregation would say, God is good. But we got rid of the cheese. So, <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we've been celebrating a few things this morning uh, in church, and one of the things is vision offering, but another thing is seven baptisms. And uh, seven baptisms last night from uh, a few different campuses, and which means in 2022 we've been able to baptize 28 people, which is fantastic. And our next baptismal service is next March, and there's already people signed up for that, people who couldn't make this one. And if you've never been baptized, but you're a follower of Jesus, can I encourage you to, you know, speak to your campus pastor or go to the information point in your campus, and you're able to sign up for that. But let me tell you why I love baptism so much, because there's an aspect of baptism that we don't often talk about, but it's so important. Uh, to us. And last week I, I said, you know, we need a new version of the Bible. And we've got you version, but we need we version of the Bible. Because we need to realize the Bible wasn't just written to individuals. It was actually written to the church. And it was written to groups of people. The Old Testament was written to the nations and to tribes. It's all written to groups of people. And so we need to realize that our faith is a faith that includes others. It's a, it's a people that God has. And that's why I love baptism so much, because baptism is not just about an individual person saying, hey, look at me, I'm a follower of Jesus. But baptism is, I'm part of his church. I'm part of the people of God. In fact, baptism is that baptism into Christ, and Christ is his body, is his church. And so I love I love baptism, and I love it for that reason, because when people are being baptized, they're taking a step, not just to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm a part of his church, I'm a part of what he's doing in the earth. It's so good. 
These three messages that I've shared, this is the final message of three, and if you missed the first two, you can catch up on YouTube. They were the result, as I've shared, as an 18-month journey when we were first locked down in 2020. In March 2020, we were locked down for the first time, and what happened over the next few weeks and months was the UK church began to panic a little bit. Uh, what will the future of the church look, look, look like after lockdown? Many people were saying, will the church survive? People were saying, the church of the future is going to be completely different to, the, to what we've known. And if we don't change, we'll die. There were so many opinions. So many people saying we might not survive. There was so much fear. And you know, that made me feel uneasy. It made me feel uneasy because Jesus said, I tell you that you are Peter... Rocky, he said in Matthew 16 and verse 18, you are rocky and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. And it made me feel uneasy that there was so much fear because I thought if Jesus said he'll build his church 2,000 years ago and nothing has knocked us out so far, then neither will this pandemic, neither will this season. Come on, yeah, let's praise him. Come on, praise him in Stocksbridge, join us. That, but actually, the church won't diminish, the church will prevail. The church will actually overcome and be victorious. Because Jesus will do what he said. A pandemic, a cost of living crisis, inflation moving fastly upwards. Nothing can stop the Holy Spirit. And I want you to get that today. And I want us to get that as Icon Church. Whatever happens, you know, there are seasons we go through in life. There are seasons that churches go through. But we need to remember in every season, nothing can stop the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we might think, well, God can do great things in this part of the world, maybe on this continent, or God can do great things in that continent. Well, he can do it here. He can do it right here, right now. Nothing will stop the Holy Spirit. Some of that noise, some of that fear, people were talking about three things. They were talking about attractional church, communal church, and intimate church. And they were saying, you know, in the future, attractional church is over. Now, we're classed as an attractional church. Here's why some people think that we're an attractional church, because we've got a screen and we've got a smoke machine. (laughs) People write articles against smoke machines, but I... Smoke machine, I love you, you know that, don't you? You don't need to say anything this morning. Some people were saying attractional church is over. And what they mean by attractional church is churches that try to put energy and excellence and doing well for God and larger gatherings, etc. And they were saying the future is smaller, it's communal, it's discipleship, it's intimate. And of course, we believe in discipleship, and we believe in the personal work of the Holy Spirit, and that's what I'm going to talk about today, the personal work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But what really disturbed me is some people were saying, you know, we believe the future is this, and if you don't agree, you're a dinosaur. Now, I know I'm getting older, but I'm not quite a dinosaur. (laughs) And we believe the future of the church is this, and if you, you don't believe the same, you've not heard the Spirit. And so I became... A little bit uneasy. I don't mind if you, whatever a person's emphasis is, whatever God has called them to do, I think they should pursue that with a passion. But what we shouldn't do is actually be against one another and combative in the church. We need one another. 
And my three questions in that moment was these. Why do we have to choose? Why do we have to polarize? And why do we have to criticize others, especially those who don't agree with us? So I've been teaching our staff and our teams and our leaders, it's all ours. It's all yours. It's all ours, which is where the theme of the conference came up came from that we as a church want to be attractional and we talked about that in week one and we want to be as attractional as we can be we want to move that forward as fast as we can we want to ride that baby as fast as we can but we want also want to be communal and I talked about that last week we want to this want to be a place of a community of the spirit where we are one and we're connected and we love one another and we care for one another and we also want to be an intimate place where people can experience God for themselves in that intimacy and that's what I want to talk about today because that's what the spirit did in the book of acts all three things. And so I want to read some of the verses that actually drew me to those conclusions and then want to get in to the message this morning. How are you doing in Sheffield? You're the nearest. I thought I might be able to hear you back then. But let's read these verses. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says this, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You know that's still true today? Still true today. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is still Jesus' mission for the church. It's exciting, isn't it? What about these verses? Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 to 4, verse 38, verses 41 to 47. It says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and there suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Then Peter said to the crowd, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. What an incredible start for the church. That was an attractional megachurch right at the beginning, wasn't it? 3,000 souls added to them. And then verses 41 to 47 say, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold possessions and goods and divided them amongst them all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, continuing daily in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added daily those who were being saved. I, I believe God can do that today. He can do it in Chesterfield, in Stocksbridge, in Sheffield, in Derby. He can do it in Icon Church. I, I'm, I'm getting too excited and I'm taking too much time over these verses. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. 
Neither did anyone say that any of the things they possessed was his own because they had things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why it can happen today, because Jesus is alive. And great grace was on them all, nor was there any needy amongst them. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them. They brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as they had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The last two weeks, I showed you this diagram where I took those verses and some others from the first five books, um, really first five chapters of the book of Acts, and I, I highlighted the stuff that was happening that was attractional, and we talked about that in week one, and we highlighted the stuff that was communal, and we talked about that last week, and then this morning, I want to talk about this intimate work of the Holy Spirit, and we just seen it in the verses that they read, because there's this intimate work where their needs are being met by the community and, and by the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a, a work of the Holy Spirit in Barnabas and others where they're selling property and bringing the money for the kingdom of God. I mean, what an incredible work that happening in a person's heart when they will be that generous. And what an incredible work in your heart and my heart that we would be generous in terms of vision offering every year to sow and give into the work of God. There was incredible generosity. Barnabas has I've already mentioned is highlighted. But then there's this verse in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 where it talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and Acts chapter 2 where it talks about the baptism in the Holy Spirit where there's 120 disciples in the other room and it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That actually it was a communal thing. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't it incredible that here in this room, in that room in Stocksbridge, in that room in Sheffield, in Derby, in your room, that we could all be filled and touched by God today. All of us could experience the presence and power of God. But then it says, and there appeared tongues of fire which rested on each of them. You see, because the Holy Spirit knows us individually, and God has got something for each and every one of us individually. It's all ours. So today my question is, how personally do you and I grow as followers of Jesus? What's the intimate, personal work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? How do we and how should we follow Jesus? Because we are followers of Jesus, And we need to understand something. The rhythm of our life is more powerful than encounter. In fact, here at Icon, we have this saying, rhythm is more powerful than an encounter. But an encounter has the power to change your rhythm. You know, it's happened to me in my life. I remember some years ago going to a meeting and um, a leader of the meeting, the preacher in the meeting, had a particular anointing in his own personal life for prayer. He was a man of prayer and, you know, I've always prayed as a Christian, but this guy was a a man of prayer and I I wouldn't say that necessarily of myself. And at the end, he gave a, a call forward to anyone who wanted God to touch them. And I went forward and I thought, I want something of his prayer anointing. And he, he prayed for me and I felt, you know, I felt 
the presence of God. I felt the spirit of God, but, but I didn't think I'd experienced anything more than that. But I had that encounter. I want to tell you my prayer life changed for nine months. That encounter changed my rhythm in my life. And so an encounter has the power to change your rhythm, but rhythm is more powerful than an encounter. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. They all speak on tongues. There's tongues of fire, as I've said, on each of them. And this infilling of the Spirit was communal, but it was also personal. And an encounter changed their rhythm. That experience of being filled with the Spirit changed them. I wonder what God wants to do amongst us even today that would actually change our rhythm, that we might know him more, that we might experience him more, that we might move forward. You see, the new rhythm we read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. This is what the Holy Spirit did. It created this new rhythm of living out faith. In our February um, staff retreat, each February in half term, uh, we do a staff retreat and we take our staff and our campus pastors and we spend two or three days together and praying over the church, praying over the year ahead. And we ask the question, how do we follow Jesus as Icon Church? And we came up with five ways and I just want to share those with you this morning. I want to remind you of them because I believe God wants to give us a rhythm in each of these five ways in all our lives so that we will follow Jesus. So I've just got these five things this morning. Here's the first. We pray. We pray. There's no surprise there, is there, that to follow Jesus is to be a person of prayer, but I think many of us struggle with prayer. Many of us don't know how to pray, and we think our prayers are insignificant, but we pray. It says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. We pray, we said in our retreat by forming life-giving patterns to spend time with Jesus. That's how I want us to think about prayer that prayer is spending time with Jesus. It's not how articulate you are. It's not how you know, much Bible knowledge you have. You, know, you don't need any of that. You don't need to be articulate. You can even be a person from Shybrook and spend time with Jesus. How about that? You can be from wherever, whatever background, because the goal of prayer is to spend time with Jesus. In the beginning of John's gospel, Jesus calls to him, it says, those he wanted so that they could be with him. And so the first thing that Jesus wants from you and I is that we might be with him, that we might spend time with him. I did a series um, a while back called After the Fire, and I, I found a survey that in the United States of America, they asked a whole bunch of people, what does God feel? A whole bunch of Christians, what does God feel when you enter his presence. And the overwhelming response was when I come before God, he feels disappointed. He feels disappointment. I wanna tell you today, God, when you come into his presence, he doesn't feel disappointment, he feels delight. 
he feels delight. That's a little bit like me saying, you know, when the kids come around, I'm disappointed. Like, you know, when the grandkids turn out, I'm disappointed. That is not the truth. There is delight when you and I enter God's presence. And so we pray. We pray by forming life-giving patterns to be with Jesus. Many of us pray when we have needs, and it's good to pray when we have needs. God says, bring our request to him. If we're anxious, lay our anxieties at his feet. That's good. But I believe we don't need just to pray when we have needs or when we have challenges. Sometimes we pray when we're desperate. Most people in the UK, surveys tell us, pray when they're desperate. They cry out, God, if you're real, help me. But we don't just need to pray when we're desperate because many say that's me. Many people would say I pray more in church than I do on my own. And as we've heard this morning, it's good here in Chesterfield, it's good to pray in church. It's good to join together, to pray over needs and to stand together and pray. But we don't just need to pray when we're in church because prayer is spending time with Jesus. So I want to encourage you in your life to discover a rhythm of prayer, whatever that looks like, however that fits for you. And we've created some resources to help you. I shared about that last week, but I want to remind you of this, followjesus.uk. Now, this is a site that's been created in Icon Church, and I want us to celebrate again the work that Dave McEwen has done, putting this together. He's done a great job. And then Nathan and Sam and putting this together. So we created this just for Icon Church. And if you're watching online or you're not from Icon Church, it's not for you. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. But this is for people in Icon Church where we would put things on this site where we think would help you in these five practices. And in each section, in the five sections, so this is the pray. There's a start here, which there's a video. You saw Nathan there. There's a video just there. Start here. Just a two, three-minute video just about prayer. Start here. And then there's a section called Discover More where there's a, a, a set of practices that you can, you can try, you can experiment with, a set of different rhythms in terms of how to pray. And then there's a section in each of these areas, Explore Further, where we link it to other resources so that you can find out more about prayer, more about aspects of prayer, and move on. Let me remind you again. Let me read these verses from Mark 3, 13 to 14. It says, Jesus went upon a mountainside, called to him those he wanted, and they came to him, and he appointed 12 that they might be with him. The most important thing Jesus wants from you and me as followers of him is that we would be with him. With him. He wants us to be with him. That's our goal. So let me encourage you. Dig in to followjesus.uk and have a look how you can develop a rhythm of prayer. The second thing is we read the Bible. We read the Bible, we said, by developing habits to hear God's word. That's what you're doing today. You're you're here, you're in church, you come to church to develop the habit of hearing God's word. And the more we develop simple habits of hearing and reading God's word, the more we understand it, and the more we understand it, the more fruitful our lives become. More we understand God's word. Jesus said it like this, Matthew 7, 24 to 25. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man 
who built his house upon a rock. Jesus is saying the more you understand these words, the more you hear these words, and then when you put them in the practice, your house, your life will be built on the foundation of a rock. Nothing will sweep you away. Nothing will come and take you off guard. Nothing will actually bring you down because your life will be built upon the rock. You see, one thing I know, there's some smarter people than me in this room, but there's no one smarter than Jesus. There's no one wiser than Jesus. And, and Jesus' words and putting those into practice cause our lives to be built on a firm foundation. Not only that, but our faith grows as we hear his word. Not only are we on a firm foundation, but we grow and our faith grows as individuals. Romans 10:17 says, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And in the verse that we've been reading from Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And what were the apostles teaching? They, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the Bible like we had. They only had the Old Testament. So they were teaching the revelation of Jesus from the Old Testament scriptures. And only 3% of the people at that time would have been able to read anyway. So it wouldn't have been any use giving everyone a Bible of their own. But they actually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We've got another section in fact, we've got a section for all these. I'll share this one with you. We read the Bible. There'll be a little video there saying start here with a little in introduction. And then we read the Bible, discover more. There'll be a, a list of practices of different ways to approach reading the Bible and then explore further. There'll be links to further resources. And I want to encourage us today as well to develop rhythms of engaging with God's word. You made a great choice to be in church. That's number one. Put that at the top there. We, you know, because you, you will engage every time we gather the word of God and the, the word of Christ and faith will grow. And as you put that into practice and as we put that into practice, our lives will be on a firm foundation. Whatever comes against us, whatever comes against us, It's the burglar alarm. <laughs> Bring back that television. <laughs> and the third thing is, we gather as church. I've been talking about that already, but we gather as church by uniting weekly and others to worship Jesus and to hear the word of God taught. The power of gathering together cannot be overstated. If someone came to me today and said, Paul, it's my first time in church. I've, I've enjoyed it. I want to know more. I want to, I want to experience a faith and I want to grow in my faith. What would I say to that person? Keep coming back. Keep turning up. If they said there's just one thing, there's only just one thing. If there's just one thing I can do, what would it be? I would say keep turning up. You know, just keep showing up. Because how do we follow Jesus as icon church? We gather as the church. We gather as the church to worship him, to be equipped and to be sent out. But we gather to hear his word, as I've already mentioned. The writer to the Hebrews in the New Testament had this to say in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. 
And they were facing some real challenges. They were facing persecution. They were facing opposition. They were facing scattering. And he said this, let us consider how we may spare one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. They were facing all this bad stuff and, and the writer to Hebrews says, we need to come together, we need to gather. We need that habit of gathering together because when we do, we encourage one another. And the, and the word encourage means to put courage in. There's somebody in this room that... Sorry about this in Stocksbridge, in Sheffield, in Derby. We've just lost two TVs. <laughs> no. When we get somebody in this room needs your encouragement, needs my encouragement. Maybe there's somebody needs your prayers today as you're talking. And you'll just say, can I pray for you? Can I, can I respond to that? You see, when we gather together, the writer here says we spare one another on. Momentum is created in each other's lives. And the benefits are both personal and they're all focused on others. We put courage in when we gather together. I believe somebody came for that today because you, you came today and you didn't believe that you find courage for something that you're going through, but you're finding courage. Courage as we've worshipped together. Courage as we've experienced the presence of God. Courage as I'm preaching. In fact, I'm prophesying you're going to find courage and be built up today as you gather with God's people. You see, God has designed his kingdom as it doesn't work on an individualistic basis. It do, his kingdom doesn't work on an individualistic level. One is too small a number for God. And the enemy would love me to believe that I am and you are all that matters. But the Bible teaches us that when we gather and when we're in community, there's more. And we discover meaning, we discover identity, and we can fulfill purpose. You know, I believe with all my, there has to be a place. There has to be a location. There has to be a place where somebody in, if they're in Derby, and somebody is talking to a friend and they say, I, I need to know. Like, I, I need to know, where can I find God? How do I find God? There needs to be a place. There needs to be a community of believers. I want that person to be able to say, well, I've heard there's this church called Icon Church. They meet at this hotel right in the center of town. Maybe you could find it there or in Stocksbridge. Oh, have you not seen that huge sign on the high street on the, in Stocksbridge that says Icon Church? I believe that's a place where you could find God. Or, do you know, just behind the cinema in Sheffield, the show, is it the Showcase Cinema? Just behind the Showcase System, there's a group of people that meet every Sunday morning. I believe you can find God there. Or if you're in Chesterfield, you need to go to this place called Icon Church. There has to be a place. The book of Acts tells us that every day they met in the temple courts and they broke bread from house to house. And again, on our website, there's those three levels. I'll just show you this one, and maybe for the last two, I won't do this. We gather as church, there's a little video there. We gather as church, discover more. There's some practices and some helpful things and then explore further. So we read the Bible, we pray, we gather as church. Number four, we play our part. We play our part. We play our part by contributing 
in serving others, building the church and giving financially. Just think of the things we've been sharing over the last few weeks that are possible when we all play our part. That vision offering hasn't come from one large significant gift. It's come because we've all played our part. Just think of Ukraine, what we've been able to do and the stories, how we've been able to help the church in Poland serve refugees. That's because we played our part. We all played our part. Seven baptisms last week, 28 baptisms this year. Look what's possible when we all play our part. Growth to five campuses over the last 15, 16 years. Look what's possible when we play our part. The Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And I taught last week about how fellowship means partnership. In fact, I've got some Greek for you. Here it is. Here it is, the original word, koinonia, and it uh, means fellowship. But look at the usage, literally partnership. It means partnership. We all play our part, and we, pl- we play our part by gathering. We play our part by connecting, finding our connect group, our attending, finding our tribe, contributing by contributing and serving, bringing our gifts. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And we bring our gifts. And uh, today, if you're in any of our campuses and you want to know how do I get plugged in and serve, talk to your campus pastor. We play our part by giving regularly. So many people give into the life of our church regularly by standing order. And we play our part by inviting and telling others. And by bringing others, I've used this. Uh, I've used this picture before, but this is uh, came from Natalie's. Um, uh, Nat- uh, she may be here, but Natalie, I think eight nine years ago, she was invited by Lisa. Sadly, Lisa now lives in France, and uh, we miss you, Lisa. If you're watching online or you catch this, we miss you. Please move back to Chesterfield. <laughs> Pretty please. <laughs> because we miss you, but eight, nine years ago, uh, Lisa invited Natalie, a friend who lived close and um, by, and look, look what Natalie wrote on here, one friend can change your entire life. From the moment you walked me into Icon Church, the trajectory of my life changed forever, and for that, I will never in this lifetime be able to repay you. We play our part by inviting others. What an incredible thing that we've given out a couple of thousand leaflets and already 200 people, most of whom we don't know, literally most of whom we have no idea who they are, but from the community have booked into those Christmas shows. Take some leaflets today and invite some people. And then the last thing, and the worship team can come back, we build relationships. We build relationships by finding our tribe. We care, we encourage and we strengthen each other's. In Acts chapter two, it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to those in need. Every day they continued to gather in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. We build relationships. We widen the circle. Your connect group's got a circle. There's a number of people in in that connect group. If you're part of a connect group across Icon Church, well, you can widen the circle and let someone in. Maybe you're on a team in Icon Church and 
And, uh, you know, you can widen that circle and invite somebody else into that circle. Maybe you've got a group of friends that you just come to church with a group of friends. You could widen that circle and invite someone in. I heard a story just recently how uh, a person saw a sign on our Stocksbridge building that says, you belong here. And they're now connected and they were at a new people's lunch, I believe, last week in Stocksbridge. Because hospitality is the church's superpower. It's our superpower, being welcoming, being friendly, inviting people in. Not just saying, come and enjoy what we have on offer, but come and be a part. Come and build relationships. You know, I want to say to you, you are not alone. You're not alone. We're here and we're not moving. Oh, we'd like to get a better building and move in Chesterfield, but... Icon Church is here and it's not moving. And true relationships for me are relationships that last, that are longevity. They overcome, they survive a crisis, they thrive despite challenges, but they thrive because of faithfulness. I've mentioned already, we're all, we're all aware of the media, aren't we, that, you know, we're going to face a cost of living crisis. Inflation is increasing. But we're not alone. Yes, God is with us. But we can stand with each other. We can pray for one another. We can care and support one another. We're part of a community. A community that won't let us go under. We build relationships. Through relationships, we grow in our faith, we grow in wisdom, we grow in our patterns of following Jesus. This is the intimate work of the Holy Spirit. We pray, we read the Bible, we gather as church, we play our part, we build the relationships. These are the rhythms. These are the rhythms that God puts into our lives by His Spirit so that we can thrive. Let me tell you, God does not want you to survive. His plan is not that we survive. His plan is that we might thrive. We'll go through times where life is challenging, where society is challenging, where everything that's affecting everybody affects us too. But God's eyes are on us and God's heart is towards us that we would thrive. He wants us to thrive in our homes, in our families, in our work, in our career, in our purpose. He wants us to thrive in our life. So I want to encourage you. Have a look at followjesus.uk. Have a look at some of the work that has been done and put there because there might be something there that can help you in those rhythms of prayer, reading the Bible, gathering His church, playing our part. I wonder, shall we all stand together? I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to worship. And when we worship, we're going to sing that song about the Holy Spirit. Come rest on us. Because I've been talking from the book of Acts for three weeks. But I just want, don't just want to talk about the Spirit. I want us to experience the Spirit in our lives and I believe wherever we are across our campuses whether you're in Derby today however you're going to close your service whether you're in Sheffield in Stocksbridge here in Chesterfield or you're watching online I believe God can touch each and every one of us we can all be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit can touch each and every one of us. So come on, why don't you, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this church that is an example of the power of God transforming individual lives, transforming a community life and creating something that not just had internal impact, but also changed the world. And we're praying again today, fill us. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us anew. Fill us afresh. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Our prayer today is that you would fill us afresh, each and every one of us, each and every person in this room. Fill us afresh. Fill us afresh today. Come, Holy Spirit, in this place. Fill us, Lord, as we worship, as we lift your name high, as we sing to you. Fill us. Fill us afresh. Create new rhythms. Create new patterns. Let this be a day of change and shift and transformation. We ask in Jesus' name. We ask in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, let's worship today.